This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. The topic for today's episode is best practices in Omnichannel. Here to speak with me is Scott Benedict, who is the Vice President of Partnerships at White Spider, an essential digital commerce company. Essential delivers specialist information, analytics, and e-commerce optimization platforms to the world's leading consumer brands and their ecosystems. Scott is an accomplished retailing executive with more than three decades of diverse experience spanning traditional brick-and-mortar retailing, e-commerce, omnichannel, and international retail merchandising and operations. Scott, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Stefan. I'm excited to be here and, and excited to have a chance to talk to you today. Now, Scott, before we before we start talking about Omnichannel today, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. How did you get started in your career and, and how did you end up where you are at the moment? Absolutely. So it's interesting. I, I consider myself to be a retail merchant by training. The majority of my retail career was as a buyer or in a merchandising role. It's kind of interesting. I studied media and communications in college. And as it turns out, that's that was and is a hard industry to get into. So I went into retailing temporarily thinking, oh, this will just be a way to support myself until I get back to my real career. And that was over 30 years, 30 years ago. And what's funny is uh, I've encountered so many people over the years for whom retail was not going to be a planned event. It was just something temporary. And then they just fell in love with it. And I, I number myself uh, among that. But I've had the opportunity to work for a lot of different retail formats, been in the wholesale club business, been in the specialty retailer and mass retail space in the brick and, brick and mortar side of my career and then uh, had the opportunity to diversify and be involved in digital retail as well. Was part of the team that started walmart.com, uh, was with samscope.com, bestbuy.com, uh, Groupon, uh, among some of the other uh, digital experiences I've had. A few years ago, uh, I left the business world and went into academia and actually took on responsibility for the uh, the retailing program at Texas A&M University, did that for a few years and then uh, decided to come back into the business world uh, less than a year ago and uh, joined White Spider uh, here in Northwest Arkansas. Had an opportunity to work with friends. I've known the team at White Spider for a number of years. This is an opportunity to join, join the party and join the team and, and be involved in what this company is doing and have really enjoyed it in the uh, about nine months now that I've been here. Perfect. Well, it sounds like you've been doing a lot, um, you know, from, from, from retail, e-commerce, teaching and educating people, you know, being back in the day-to-day -day, uh, world. You've been involved in e-commerce, you know, since the early days. You, you talked about three right. decades experience earlier. How has business evolved in that time? Well, it's interesting because e-commerce started out as as something of uh, kind of an interesting edge case of of retail in other words nobody knew how big it would become how seriously to take it whether you could actually make money at it and it's interesting i worked uh, with a company called service merchandise when i first uh was called with the opportunity to join what 
grew up to become walmart.com so leave service merchandise and go to uh, to go to walmart be involved in their first e-commerce business and at the time the ceo of service merchandise said you know scott this whole e-commerce thing is a fad it's not going to last it's really not a real, a real business and it's interesting that throughout the years i've encountered a number of people who go that's not really a retail sustainable retail business and obviously fast forward today and and now it is a very not only serious business in its own right, but it, uh, the interlocking between brick and mortar and digital now has come about in ways that I think a lot of us thought was possible, but the pandemic kind of assisted that process. And so now, not only is it a substantial business, more so than it was in those early days, but it's an intertwined business with traditional uh, retail, it's not an, an or, it's an and, I like to tell people. And just the level of expertise and the, the level of focus uh, that it has been given both by retailers and by consumer brands has certainly grown since I first became involved in it through to today and, and, and where we are now. Now, for many years, Amazon seemed to be a company that had kind of figured it out, right? They, they grew massively. Um, at some points, companies were thinking about, do we actually have to join, air quotes, Amazon in order to stay in business, right? Um, at some point, I mean, you know, companies talked about Walmart, likes of Target and the others, like how are they going to respond? What has Walmart done over the last couple of years to, to create an area for them that makes them competitive with, with the big Amazon out there that seem to have kind of grabbed a huge amount of the market. Yeah. Well, I'll, first of all, I'll tell you, Stefan, you know, if you look at uh, Walmart's efforts in, in omni-channel and in e-commerce today, you have to look at it through the lens that they weren't always as focused on on digital as as they now are, and and so there's a learning process that I think I had the opportunity to kind of have a front row to where it went from uh, yes, we need to check the box, we need to be involved in e-commerce to the commitment today that it is absolutely where the customer is and we now may have to be there. We have to be there and be very good and very focused on how to be successful in this business. And so that was a, quite an, an evolution in the, the perspective. But the thing that I, I think was so interesting and so neat is the speed with which Walmart viewed their fleet of physical stores as an asset in not only their, their leadership in traditional retail, but in truly serving a customer whenever, however they wanted to be served, and as a competitive advantage, because for as awesome as Amazon is, if you don't count Whole Foods, they don't really have stores. And, and, and even some of the experiments that they've tried They've pulled back on, uh, and they tend to use stores as te test beds for technology more than an integrated part of the strategy. And so this is what has made, I think, Walmart and now some other retailers have observed this and, and tried to follow their lead. But to, to really treat it as a customer-first 
focus, a way to serve a customer's needs, again, however and, and whenever they want to be served. And so the, the lines of demarcation between traditional and digital elements of the company can just continue to be eliminated, eroded, and, and made less prominent over time. They, they've changed their incentive programs for store managers and for home office uh, employees to where they are now incentivized to drive business results regardless of, of where that uh, transaction is, is completed. As an example, they've really looked to integrate the customer experience with physical and digital elements and to try to drive efficiency uh, so they can continue to keep prices low and and try to keep service high. And so those are sort of things that I'll tell you, I observed a lot of companies, you know, concerned about uh, online cannibalizing physical stores, Walmart. Uh, really had the attitude of, well, if uh, online is going to cannibalize the physical, we'd rather cannibalize ourselves than let somebody else do it. So let's get in the game. Let's get in the fray. And I think all of those, both strategic decisions, attitudes, and customer focus, customer first kind of focus, are some of the things that I've observed made made Walmart kind of unique and different. That is interesting because I might say that you know, if, if I compare Walmart to an Amazon, right, which is kind of the big big guys out there, a lot of what you just said for me personally is what I think about Amazon too, right? They're customer focused, you know, because of the competition on the platform, prices to a certain extent should stay competitive, right? Is what you said, are those the only points where you think Walmart unique or or is there is there something else? No, I think that's that's a highlight of it. I think if you zoom forward to more recent times, that we've seen a, a couple of interesting developments uh, out of Walmart. First, the the effort to monetize traffic to to develop their retail media uh, platform and offer that as a, a viable way to spend a marketing dollar on the part of brands. And obviously, as a profitability stream for for themselves, uh, to where now the the business model uh, of of retail is evolving and changing, and just just making a profit off of selling merchandise alone, the, they're kind of evolving their perspective and their thinking on that. And then one of the other assets that Walmart uniquely has is is their data, the visibility to customer transactions both in physical stores and online and being able to monetize that and to share that uh, uh, with their suppliers in a way that is useful to understand consumer behavior on a, on a pretty vast scale uh, here in the U S and to, yes, it's become a profit center for Walmart. That's, that's not, that's not something they don't talk about publicly. They, they've admitted that, but it's, it's really useful to consumer brands to study and understand that multi-channel data because that's information on consumer behavior that, again, even someone as sophisticated as Amazon has tremendous data on online behavior, but they can't put together the pieces of online and offline behavior into a full 
kind of 360 degree view of what a consumer is thinking, doing, uh, and acting upon. And so I think that's, those are some additional ways that they have kind of emerged in, in trying unique and different things that not only help them uh, become more effective, but uh, provide new revenue streams uh, for the company as well. And I think the last thing I'll tell you, Stefan, is the, the willingness to experiment uh, with things. Uh, there are a couple locations across the country, including here locally in Northwest Arkansas, where uh, drone delivery uh, is being uh, tested, where adjunct warehouses uh, that do you know fulfillment of store pickup orders uh, in more automated uh, and efficient ways. Those things are being tested. There's a, there's just a, a lot of things that they're they're willing to try, knowing they may be successful, knowing they may fail, but that's culturally that's an inner, it's it's kind of a neat tie back to the early days of Walmart and that willingness to try things and be okay if they fail, but gain the learnings from those things and apply them to the business going forward and we still see examples of that today it's just taking on a new form in the digital space that maybe it did when when they were exclusively a physical retailer no brands these days have several options to kind of place their products on on bigger retail side you know obviously yeah. we talk about walmart but you can find it on target even on best buy right. you name it right they all go that route and for companies that might not have thought about that so far, at some point they have to decide, are we going that route? When are we going that route? And how are we going that route? And then basically engaging in that space. What do brands get wrong in their approach to Omnichannel? Yeah, well, I think there's two things that occur to me when you ask that question, Stefan. One is, uh, you know, kind of what I, I, I identified about Walmart, some brands haven't taken this open-minded experimentation type approach and willingness to fail, but to try and, and learn things. You don't always see some very respected, very large and financially healthy brands approach it with that mindset. They haven't had that willingness always to experiment with things, try things and thoughtfully either learn fail, in some cases, fast fail, apply the learnings and move forward. So, uh, you know, there's still a bit of occasional hesitation or uh, timidity that, that, that you'll see from brands, number one. Number two, a lot of brands, like a lot of retailers, treated digital as a separate silo of activity and separate, you know, business channel and have failed to see the opportunity to more fully integrate that. And that, that's not just uh, in things like product offerings, but it is uh, go-to-market strategies and, and how they spend a marketing dollar to drive their business and create awareness. And if you still, you know, I think in this day and age, treat those as two separate things instead of looking at them as one integrated activity to get your products in front of a consumer to learn and hear feedback from a consumer in things like ratings and reviews and other forms of feedback if you're not kind of taking that integrated approach you're not meeting the customer where they are and 
the interesting thing that I think the pandemic accelerated is you can be a consumer brand that has historically led in the traditional paths of retail. And uh, if you are not making the investments to be as proportionally successful online, uh, if you're not worried about item detail pages and uh, the quality of content and the ways in which you're experimenting with uh, new and different approaches and going to market, you know, just because you were a leader in the in the physical space of retail doesn't automatically grant you that status online. And I think in some cases you give uh, an opening to retailers to develop their private brand uh, market share to emerging startup challenger brands to, to gain a foothold in your category. And uh, you have to realize that, you know, some of us who are older recall a world pre-e-commerce. Well, people like my 26-year-old daughter and her husband and my 21-year-old son, they don't recall a time when you could only shop in a physical store and couldn't uh, have another way of going to, uh, to market. And so that... That age demographic that is coming now into their peak spending years, their peak earning years, they're going to make decisions about brands and products differently, perhaps, than what we did as a generation who was there for the transition, if you will. They, They don't know a world without smartphones or being able to do research online about a product to compare pricing and compare ratings and reviews. And so if you're not thinking that way as a brand, I think you miss an opportunity. And quite frankly, you put your your business in, at risk and in danger because you're not meeting the customer where they are and how they want to shop, particularly with a newer generation who is raised in a different world than maybe some of us who are older. So you talked about that you know, companies look at things more in silos, right? They look at the digital environment, they look at the, the, the offline environment. For a company that, that says, yeah, we got to go omni-channel, you know, but we want to do it right. We need to make sure that what we do offline is kind of connected with what we do online, that we can pass information back and forth uh, from both areas. How would they go about setting themselves up successfully um, if you think about best practices, successfully on their on their journey to become more omnichannel. Yeah, well, I, I think it's uh, there's a couple of things you always are taught in retail, whether you are a retailer or a consumer brand, to start with the customer, understand who your customer is, understand their new and evolving needs and interests and ways of of making buying decisions, and that's. As good of a place to start, I could think of as any to provide insights in your path forward, but also kind of being a a, a student of different trends of uh, emerging ways uh, which consumers encounter a product, consider a product. That whole buying journey that has historically been part of the marketing playbook uh, for brands. 
you know, what is the most current up-to-date version of that playbook? How are consumers going about making decisions now, project forward into how they will do so in the future, and then look at yourself in the mirror and say, are we ready? Or are we not? Uh, do we have the expertise in-house? Do we need to tap into the expertise of third parties, of agencies or companies like ours? And 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 what is our go-forward strategy, knowing that you, you probably can't see every last detail five years into the future, but what's your path immediately in front of us and, and what's your vision going forward and, and, and just well, what's your plan? And if, if you can't answer those questions, you know, perhaps we should recommend prayer for you because I'm not sure how successful you're going to be going forward if you don't think that way and approach the marketplace that way. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, at the core of everything you do in that regard is this data, right? The data you collect in store that gives you an idea of who actually comes into the store to, um, to kind of buy your product there. And, and who buys online, right? Those could be two different groups of people. You know, you said earlier, your, your children, right? They might go more off uh, online because they're just used to it. They might not actually think about going in store, right? While the likes of us who are a little bit older and that have gone into the store and <laughs> were younger to buy this stuff, they didn't know the, the e-commerce side, right? We might still prefer going into store or at least, you know, doing research online and then going in store because we want to have it immediately. For example, no, I, I, and I'll tell you because uh, we're so focused in our business uh, on Walmart. Um, you know, we're we're voracious readers on any information that they share, and they they talk regularly in in public settings about how the consumer journey just unfolds so many different ways now when you consider the breadth of their customer base uh, across the U.S. I mean, mobile devices are being used in a physical store to either locate a product within the store, make sure it's in stock, check its ratings and reviews, see if it's priced better someplace else or if it's out of stock in this store, does near, another nearby store have it i mean that 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 journey of using a mobile device in a physical store i don't think it's the thought that it should same token uh a, an item detail page is now such a powerful tool to drive uh, a sale either that happens through traditional digital delivery means say you order it online and it and a, and a nice UPS man delivers it to your house but the order online pickup in a physical store later today or the next day that use case has gone from theoretical to as mainstream particularly in the grocery space food and beverage and CPG and it seems like it happened overnight even in pets as well it seems like it happened uh, overnight and if you if you only view the purchase journey and the consideration of your product versus competitors, that journey as only one straight arrow from point A to point B, I think you miss it. You, you kind of have to be prepared for a number of different purchase journeys, consideration paths. And, and the beautiful thing is obviously we're blessed with data 
today that tells us about these scenarios in ways that it, it didn't tell either brands or retailers, you know, in the years past, but it's, there's not a one-way path from consideration to purchase. It's, it follows so many different paths and you really have to be prepared to serve a customer through any of those paths, right? Yeah. So how does your company that you work for, White Spider, how do they help businesses that want to go that omnichannel route? Yeah. Well, I, I think it started with the fact that we made the decision in the formative years of our company's existence that we were going to be very focused on Walmart and not try to be experts in every retail program. But if, if you're going to focus on one, this is a pretty good one to, to, to focus on. But uh, we built relationships with Walmart, collaborative relationships. We're one of the founding members of the Connected Content Partner Program, which means that we have visibility and the ability not only to publish content on behalf of our clients onto Walmart systems, but we have visibility to user behavior in a way that is different, unique, and special in a, in a kind of an important responsibility that uh, Walmart is rightfully very productive of data and we have to make sure that we're using it for the benefit of the brands and to help the brands make the shopping experience of Walmart better. But I'll, I'll give you examples. Uh, Walmart has an objective way to measure content quality at an item level. And so they assign every item a content quality score And that score is based on a number of objective measures, but it's tied back to a, uh, a content strategy that's been assigned and developed in each individual category. And so having that visibility allows us to, to, to counsel clients, not in theory, but in actual proven data-driven paths to, to improve the quality of their content, not only to help drive a sale once a user has arrived at that item detail page, but to make sure that they show up at that item detail page through search in, in relevant use cases, in cases where a generic uh, search term, if your product rightfully should be associated with that search term, Of the organic strategies that we help our clients to master are once again they're they're data driven they're driven off of insights to things like keywords that consumers are looking for in a category and we counsel clients all the time that uh, what search terms are prominently used in your category on Walmart are not necessarily the same as what is used in Amazon or other platforms. So you have to have a very Walmart-centric focus and strategy to uh, to your success. And once again, that, that effort doesn't just, just drive a digital sale. It can drive an in-store sale uh, as well. And so those are some of the things that, that make us Unique and special is our focus on Walmart, uh, uh, the collaboration, the integration with them, the fact that we can counsel our clients with data and insights uh, that are not theoretical, but are factual, and that help them not only for their own success, but to improve the shopping experience for a customer 
on Walmart's platform. So they're they're pleased with that, uh, and, it, and it serves their goals uh, for a good customer shopping experience, as well as helping our clients' brands to be uh, successful in, uh, in, in, a, in an omni-channel world. So Yeah. What you just last said, I think, or makes it also very clear, you know, omni-channel, it's not something you just switch on. You know, you're not just signing up for Target, for Walmart, for Best Buy, or whatever other websites where you can place your products on, you know, and then you will be equally successful in each of them. Because at the end of the day, like with, with search engines or other platforms, they all have their different approach. You know, they all look at things differently. They all value things differently. Now, yes. the bottom line is content. And you talked about that, right? Because content is what, what, what convinces us to buy a product, the features that are outlined, um, the specifics. However, you cannot just take a piece of content that you might optimize for SEO for the search engine and just say, well, you know what? It's going to, to do great because this works well on search engine. It's going to work great on Amazon, on Walmart, on Target. You yeah. name it. That's just not, and that's, that's. I think that's also what companies have to keep in mind. If you're planning the omni-channel route, it's either you know you have to be fully committed to it, or you're probably wasting your time if you if you just do it half-hearted. Yeah, no, I I would agree, and I I think there are certainly common elements across retail platforms that a brand can say, hey, here's the things that are very similar from one platform to the next. And whether you're concerned about site search on a specific website or, you know, Google uh, queries. And so, you know, you start with that. But then to your point, you've got to then look at the at the unique nuances of each platform and then refine and optimize your presence in each of those scenarios so that your product, one, is discoverable in in the right circumstances, the right uh, scenarios, uh, and is seen in the best light. And so it's, it's, you know, there are common elements, but it's not a one-size-fits-all, and understanding the difference between those two and taking learnings and applying them over time is interesting. <laughs> Just an example, the use of influencer marketing activities, so things like user-generated videos and uh, uh, taking uh, testimonials from, uh, from folks who maybe have a real deep interest and knowledge of a particular product and integrating those elements onto an item detail page seems like it's emerging in addition to the, you know, what we consider the basics of, hey, six images and high high res and, you know, uh, your title has to be this many characters long. Yeah, those are, are, are considered probably table stakes now, but then there's innovation and, and new things that are coming into the fray that layer on top of that. And, uh, you know, there's no one way to do that. A lot of it depends on your knowledge of your brand, your customer, and who likes or dislikes a particular product or type of brand. And then figuring out how to get that story told in a way that builds credibility in the eyes of the, of the user, of the customer, uh, because it's not just you telling a brand message about your product, but it's Real humans, real customers, other people like me are advocating for this product or that product. That's powerful stuff. 
in a digital shopping journey. And people are starting to integrate that into marketing activity, social media posts, and even on an item detail page. Now, Scott, we, we already come to the end of today's podcast episode. Thank you so much for joining me on Performance Divide Podcast and sharing your thoughts on um, you know best practice for Omnichannel. If people want to find out more about you, about White Spider, how can they get in touch? Uh, so uh, whitespider.com is, is our website. So we've got a wonderful website that can give you an initial introduction to what we do. Uh, myself and all my colleagues have got uh, LinkedIn pages. And uh, if you just look me up by name or by White Spider, you can find me there. And uh, uh, you know, we'll obviously love to answer folks' questions and, and just kind of hear about what's going on in their business on Walmart and what challenges they're facing and see if we can't help them. We, we feel pretty confident that we can, in most cases, help someone to really grow that business. And it doesn't just help them online. It helps them if the product also happens to be in physical stores, it helps them really complete uh, that whole end-to-end omni-channel strategy. And we're happy to do it. And we love it if, Folks, reach out, and we'll, we'll absolutely try and help them. Great. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like the Performance Divide podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again, and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.